Welcome to the OCD Bunked Podcast. My name is Jenny, and I hope you had a great week. I had a pretty great week. It was, it was pretty okay. It was pretty busy, but I really enjoyed the weather. It was kind of rainy and drizzly all week, which normally I don't like for days on end, but it really let me take the time to just stop and, and just think, and I don't know. It was really refreshing for me. Because lately, my life has been just super busy and go, go, go. And it really allowed me to take the time to just sit with my feelings and think of where I'm at in life and where I'm headed and, you know, to be okay with where I'm at and to just reflect on, you know, where I've been, where I came from, where I'm going. And I don't know, it's just a really special time, so... I'm going to try to do this podcast all in one take. Um, there's there's a guy who I listen to. I listen to his podcasts. And I really like his style of podcasting where it's just very relaxed and just natural. And <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a very natural speaker. I do a lot better at writing things down. But I really wanted to do this podcast just to kind of try it out and see if it's something that I would enjoy. And it's definitely an exposure for me, for sure, OCD-wise. And I'm okay with that because getting out of your comfort zone is a good thing. And so we'll just see how this goes. So this week, for this week's episode, I want to focus on medication versus therapy. So... Last episode, I talked a little bit about what OCD is, if there's a cure, if there's, you know, a way to get better from it, and today I really want to focus on the two uh, recovery tools that I'm most familiar with, which are medication and therapy. Now, for me, personally, I have been on meds before, just meds, and then I got off of meds for a while, and then I went to therapy without medication, and then from there right now, I'm still continuing therapy, but I'm also on medication. So I've done each one on its own, and then I've also done both together. So I kind of have a pretty good idea based off of my own experience and the experience of some of my friends and just advice from my therapist as to, you know, the pros and cons to each, as well as whether one is better than the other. And once again, I am not a professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I've just gone through this, and this is just kind of my advice and tips and tricks I've learned along the way. So let's just get into it. Um, Medication is, for a lot of people, something pretty intimidating, especially at the beginning especially when you hear, you know, maybe you just got a diagnosis and right away people kind of assume, okay, well, I'm going to be on meds for my whole life and this is just kind of the end of the road. And there's a lot of stigma around medication. And I know that back in the day, I started meds when I was about 14 years old. Back then, I only thought that I had anxiety and depression. That's what I was diagnosed with at the time, so I didn't realize that I was struggling with OCD at the time, but 
I know it was really discouraging for me because I heard some people talking about medication in a very bad light in the sense that if you, basically if you can't overcome your mental struggles without medication, there's something wrong with you. And I just want to put out there how wrong that is. I'm a firm believer in that there are two categories of people with mental illnesses or mental health struggles. And um, I think that the, that the categories can overlap quite a bit, but basically from my viewpoint and just from what I've seen is there are people who struggle with mental health related things because of their lifestyle and then people who just have it, whether it's genetically, whether you know there was um, maybe trauma in their life, whatever it is. So of course, somebody's going to be super depressed if they have a lifestyle that is conducive to depression, right? Because so say somebody who does a lot of drugs, something like that, somebody who has just a very, very um, a lifestyle that isn't exactly conducive to strong mental health, somebody who's not really taking care of the mental health, somebody who's um, perhaps somebody who's really stressed out, somebody who's, um, you know, not sleeping much, not just not taking care of themselves. That I would think of as lifestyle struggles, right? And I'm not at all saying that, oh, just because these people chose this lifestyle, then they don't deserve help. I am not saying that at all. I think that behind a lot of people who are struggling, there's a story that explains how they got there, whether it was self-inflicted or a lot of times there are things in their life, external circumstances that they couldn't help that just kind of drew them to that lifestyle and it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back type of situation. And I think that in society, one thing that really hinders people who go through those struggles to get better is the thought that they can't get better, that they're like always going to be like that. And for sure, that's always going to haunt them. I feel so bad for those people who you know, who did turn to drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, addictions of any form, because it's just so difficult. And also one thing that's really interesting for me is realizing, I realized um, that OCD is similar to drug addiction. And it really is. It's really interesting when you look at the chemical um, what's happening in your brain. So for drug addicts, right, so they take drugs and throughout or over time it takes more and more of the drug to give them that same high, to give them that same um, desired effect. And that's very similar to OCD in what happens in your brain chemically because with OCD the more and more you give into your um, obsessions and the more compulsions you perform, the more and more your OCD is going to require you to do before you get that same hit. And for drug addicts, it's a different, a different type of 
high that they experience, but it's quite the same where um, with OCD, you get that temporary sense of relief from anxiety. And it's really interesting to see how the the recovery for OCD sufferers and drug addicts is pretty similar in certain circumstances or in cer- certain aspects. And so, so yeah, I would say that there are people who are struggling mentally because of their lifestyle. Um, and there are also those who just genetically inherited this. Like I said, maybe they went through some trauma when they were a kid or a little later in life that really triggered it. And all I'm going to say is either way, whichever way that this person got to where they were, they still deserve help because at the end of the day, um, we're put on this earth to help out others. And, you know, it makes me so much more, it, it just really opened my eyes to helping out other people because I know how hard it was when I was really, really struggling with my OCD and how much it meant when somebody was just understanding and not to say that all responsibility was taken off of me, right? I still had a responsibility to get up, to work on my recovery, but it's just so helpful to have people there who don't who don't automatically and immediately shut down um, what you're trying to do to help you get better. So with medication, there is a huge stigma around it. Um, The medication that is most commonly used for OCD treatment is SSRI medication, which stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors. And the interesting thing about these SSRI medications is that they work a lot differently than I first thought they did. So um, I was very, very wary to take medication because I was scared to put something in my body and have it do something. And I felt like I wasn't the same person. Who I was wasn't really me. And, you know, if I saw progress in my recovery, well, that wasn't really me. That was just the medication, right? And there are a lot of SSRI medications. There's like Zoloft, Lexapro, Anafranil. There are a lot of them. But um, the interesting thing about SSRIs is I thought that it just basically pumps serotonin into your body because people with depression, people with anxiety, OCD, um, their brain lacks the amount of serotonin that an average brain has. So... I thought that it just pumps in a ton of serotonin and you're all good. But what SSRI medications actually do is they block the... So when serotonin works, then there's reuptake, which takes that serotonin in so that it can be reused later or whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm, I don't know the super, super scientific explanation for it, but all I know is that... SSRIs don't replace serotonin. They just make the serotonin that you have work harder. So basically, um, it's it's just like something like 
Advil, right? What Advil does is it blocks your pain receptors so you don't realize that you're in so much pain. It doesn't make what's causing your pain go away. It just makes your brain not register that pain. It's the same thing as that. It's the same, or not same thing, but the same idea as that. It's the same idea as even caffeine. What caffeine does is, um, sure, it gives you an adrenaline rush, but what it also does is it blocks the receptors in your brain that tell you that you're tired. So it's not like you all of a sudden just are magically not tired anymore. It's just that your brain isn't constantly sending that message to you. Um, so SSRIs work very much like that. And so people who say, you know, you can't take medication, that's not good, whatever. I, I get the hesitancy. I, I really do. But the fact of the matter is somebody with diabetes whose body isn't producing, um, you know, the right amount of stuff that they need, people are totally fine with them taking medication. And... Um, I just think that it should be a little bit more destigmatized because it's really, really helpful and, and it can really help somebody get on the right track to recovery. Now, one thing that I do want to say about medication is that even in the best circumstances, only about seven to 10 people are affected by medication, as in it only helps, you know, it it doesn't help everybody. Yeah, sure, it can, um, sorry, so, sorry, I think it's 7 in 10, because 7 to 10 doesn't make sense. I'm taking this from the IOCDF website, by the way. So um, even when you take medication, it only helps relieve about 40 to 60 percent of your symptoms, which means that on its ideal dose, on its ideal working state, in its ideal working state, it can only really ever help up to 60 percent of your symptoms. And that's something that is really eye-opening because one of the reasons that I was very hesitant to take medication in the first place was because I really didn't want to just put a band-aid on a bullet hole and hope for the best. You know, I didn't want something that was going to cover up my symptoms. I wanted something that was going to fix them. Um, one of my biggest fears was that, and the reason that I didn't want to go back on medication once I was off of it, is because I was getting much worse. I noticed my OCD just getting so much worse. And my biggest fear was that if I took meds and they didn't work or they didn't work well enough, that was kind of my last resort. And, you know, if that didn't work, there was nothing I could do to get better, basically. So I did take medication. When I wasn't so bad, when my OCD wasn't very severe, it did help a good amount. It helped level out my anxiety. Um, it helped level out my panic attacks and things of that nature. But... Once I got off of meds, which wasn't very smart, but, you know, I thought to myself, well, I'm doing a bit better, you know. Um, I'm not getting so anxious. My OCD isn't really affecting me so much, so I think I'm going to just get off of meds. And the reason I was doing better was because of the medication. Um, so I didn't exactly think that one through. But about a year after I got off of meds, so I started them initially when I was 14, and 
I got off of them probably when I was about 17 or so. And so when I was about 18, I realized that my OCD was getting worse and it was getting worse fast. And I just remember going to the doctor, like I mentioned before, and she basically said, there's nothing you can do. There's no cure. Just take the medication and basically good luck. And I was very, very determined to find a better fix, right? Medication is very, very good for people with generalized anxiety, generalized depression. Um, it's very good for people if they're in such an anxious state that they can't even think about um, therapy, they can't even think about recovery. It kind of helps them get in the right mindset, right? But the other thing that I found was ERP therapy, exposure and response prevention, which is a subset of cognitive behavioral therapy that specifically helps people with OCD and related disorders. I was also very hesitant to go to therapy because there's also a lot of stigma around that. And I just want to say that ERP therapy is a lot different than I think what a lot of people think of when they think about therapy if they don't really know what it is. So me being who I am and being the competitive, stubborn person that I can sometimes be, um, I was really against the idea of talk therapy. I hated the idea of just going in a room with somebody and them just, you know, telling me to just not worry, everything's going to be all peachy keen. And I was like, okay, lovely. But when we leave this room, you get to go home to your own life. And I have to go home to a life where my brain tortures me. And I hated the idea of having somebody just try to will me out of having all of these obsessions and needing to do all these compulsions and you know just talking about it rather than going out and doing something to get better so ERP therapy is very very much a proactive recovery option rather than reactive so I would find medication to be more kind of neutral right because um it's, it's not really proactive or reactive. It's just kind of there um, because you just, you take it every day and it kind of levels off your anxiety and things of that nature. But I really like ERP therapy because you go out there, you put in the work, and then before your OCD gets triggered, you're already putting in the work. And so once it gets triggered, you already know you put in some work, you know how to deal with this because you've dealt with it in the past. And what exposure and response prevention therapy is, is say you have a fear of going to the store for whatever reason. Maybe you're scared of people looking at you. You're scared of maybe, you know, yeah, making a big scene. You're scared of the germs that are there, you're scared of whatever the fear is around that. So what ERP therapy would do is you would put yourself in the situation where you have to go out in public, you have to trigger that anxiety, and you have to sit with it until it recedes. 
and you have to sit with the discomfort of the anxiety and the response prevention part of this therapy so that the exposure would be going out into public and triggering your anxiety. The response prevention part would be to sit with the discomfort and to not do anything to combat it. No compulsions, nothing like that. Um, and sometimes you have to start small, right? So if you're really terrified of going out in public, maybe one day first, you're going to just go and drive to the parking lot and you're going to sit there. And that might be super hard. And you're going to do that until it's comfortable. And then you're going to do the next step. Maybe you just walk on the sidewalk near the store and you walk by the store and then you leave right and until that's comfortable you just keep doing that and then eventually you're going to be able to go into the store and the more you do these exposures the easier it's going to become and then before you know it you're going to be going to the store like it's nothing and you're not even going to have a second thought about it and so that's what I really love about ERP therapy is you take your recovery into your own hands. And there's good and bad in that because it is extremely effective. It's the gold standard for OCD treatment. And it is a long-term fix. People have seen up to 100% of their symptoms reduced. And the danger, in, the danger and the... Um, advantage to ERP therapy is you get out of it what you put in. So the more effort you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. And in a sense, some people might see this as a disadvantage when you compare it to medication, because with medication, there's no effort. You take your meds, you hope for the best, but with ERP, you have to put in the work. And so it takes discipline. It's going to take a lot of effort and it's the hardest right at the beginning. It's terrifying. Um, when I went to the three-week program for this, those were the hardest three weeks of my life, but they were the most rewarding as well because when you start seeing progress and you have a therapist who really believes in you and helps you along the way, it really, really does change your life. And ERP therapy is just so helpful because it also teaches you to be your own therapist. So you don't just do, you know, these exposures with your therapist. Um, you then go home and you do these yourself throughout the day out in the real world. And that's when you really see progress, when you take your recovery into your own hands and you really, really just put all of your effort into this. So ERP has been extremely helpful for me. I continue to do it every single day. I don't see my therapist every single day, but I do exposures every day. You know, anytime something comes up, I force myself to do an exposure. And sometimes I slip, sometimes I give in and, you know, um, I'll do a compulsion and I slip up and that's totally normal. It's just as long as you're on that track of focusing on getting better and really leaning into the the therapy and really just committing everything to it you are going to get better now so i've done meds by themselves i've done therapy by itself like when i went for the three-week program i was not on medication at the time and 
it was extremely, extremely effective. When I went, um, my highest Y box scale score, which is that scale that um, determines how severe your OCD is, my highest was a 32 out of 40. So it was very, very high. Um, three weeks later, when I walked out of that program, we did the test again. My therapist and I did the test again, and I was at a 16. So I effectively cut my OCD symptoms in half, which was huge. I mean, I can't even begin to explain how big that was. So it's very, very helpful. Now, sometimes people do therapy and medication together. Sometimes people, you know, they start on meds so that they can get to the point of being willing to do therapy. Um, Some people get on meds so that it makes their therapy more effective and they can really lean into the therapy more and get more out of it. And some people, you know, they hit hard times in their life, times of big stressors, bumps in the road, and they take meds during that time along with therapy to just get over that little hump, right, the little bump in the road. And that's currently what I'm doing right now. I have a lot of big life changes currently, and I noticed that my OCD was kind of getting worse. I was slipping up a little bit, and when I get stressed, my OCD tends to really, really um, get worse. So my therapist and I decided it would be a good idea for me to go back on medication for a little while, and I'm really thankful that I did because it's not replacing the therapy. It's just putting me in the headspace that I can actually go out and do it every day. So, you know, when you compare meds versus therapy, it's really, it depends on where you are, where you're at in your recovery journey. It depends on what your circumstances is, circumstances are. But I really, really recommend, if I, can, if I could just choose one of the two, I would recommend ERP. I would recommend the therapy 100 times over because... It's not a patch, it's a fix. And that's huge because the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. And, you know, there are days now where I barely am affected by my OCD and it's taken a long time, but it's just so amazing to know that there is a cure. It's amazing to know that when that doctor looked me in the eyes and told me there's no cure, that it's basically hopeless. It's just amazing to know how wrong she was. It makes me very happy. Um, So there are, you know, there are drawbacks to both. Therapy can be very expensive. I'm not going to pretend it's not. I've spent about $20,000 in therapy over the past couple of years, and I don't regret a dollar of it. It was very, very hard. Thankfully, I had had, um, a support system. I had um, my cousin let me borrow the money and I paid him back now, but without that, I wouldn't have been able to go. So I'm very, very, very thankful for that. But, you know, um, therapy is very expensive, but when I was in the circumstance where I had to choose whether or not I was willing to pay that money, I really just sat down and I thought, you know, I could just decide not to go because it's expensive, because it's scary, because it's unknown. But at the end of the day, it is expensive, but if I stay on the track that I'm going, 
I'm not even going to be able to hold a job. I'm not going to be able to be independent. And I'm not going to be able to even make any money. So at the end of the day, it's more expensive for me to not go to therapy and to not recovery or to not recover than it is to put in the effort, put in the money. And um, there are options out there. There's, you know, there are so many people who help. There are um, funds that help with this type of thing if you don't have the money for it. And, um, you know, meds can be expensive too. I spend a good amount of money on meds. And you know what? It's, it just is what it is. I've really had to learn that that's the downside. It's, you know, having mental struggles is expensive. It, you know, it really is expensive. But I think that the lessons that you learn throughout therapy, they transfer to so many other parts of your life that it's well worth it. They teach you to be resilient. They teach you to be a harder worker. They teach you to not give up. And I've really seen that in so, so many people with OCD. I have so many friends who, you know, because of their OCD, because they've had to fight through it, they're just so much stronger for it. So, yeah, I think that there are drawbacks to both. I think there are huge benefits to both. But at the end of the day, you know, um, I think it's important to just get with a therapist and talk about the options and make sure that it's a therapist who specializes in OCD therapy because that's super important. And there is a stigma behind both of these, but I think that if you sit down with somebody who really is against either of these and you explain, you know, I'm not doing this because I'm lazy. I'm not just doing this because I want to live this certain lifestyle, even though it's damaging me. Um, I want to take medication. I want to go through therapy because I want to get better and I want to put this behind me and really show them what it entails. I think that they'll be a little more open to it. I really hope so. So I know, sorry, it's been a bit of a longer podcast today, but I hope you really got something out of it. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me. It's ocdbunked at gmail.com. Um, I'm hoping to maybe set up an Instagram too so that it's easier for DMs and things like that. But please share this with anybody who, you know, might be looking for how to go about OCD recovery. Maybe if you're looking to go through OCD recovery but you don't exactly know how to tell your parents or, you know, they're kind of wary or, you know, other people who might be a little bit scared of what therapy or medication entails, maybe this might help them as well. And please feel free to ask me any questions. Please feel free to, you know, ask for advice or to give me advice. I love to hear, I'd love to hear from you. And um, yeah, I guess I'll just see you guys next week and I hope you have a great one.